Psalm 145 that says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. He has compassion on all that he's made. That, that Jesus embodied that. He, he was that. And I think it's, it's in our brokenness that we experience that. Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. I'm Danny, one of the pastors here at Waypoint Church, and this is our second episode in season two. We're so glad to be back, and this is our podcast. We talk about all things going on in the life and ministry of of Waypoint Church here in Durham, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And today I'm joined by uh, Pastor Eric, a regular on the show. Hey guys, great to join you today. And we have a special guest, another Tar Heel is joining us. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Kelly Haywood, and I am a Waypoint member, and I am the director of crew at UNC working with um, students there. And we're so glad to have Kelly with us. She has uh, been as a campus minister with crew for many years. Uh, She also was a student uh, there and then joined staff and and became a campus minister. And that's one of our partner ministries here at Waypoint. And... uh, we're so glad to have her, and we're going we're gonna to be talking about brokenness, and we're going to be talking about a hard topic, but we're going to, how do we deal with the brokenness in the world, and particularly with inviting Kelly on, how does she deal with it as she's uh, in charge, and her and the, camp, and the ministry there are, are thinking through how to disciple young people as they enter into adulthood, and, they, and they're, they're making their faith their own, and, and how to deal with and make sense of, of the brokenness and the sinfulness and, and the evil in the world and, and live out our lives faithfully as Christians. But before we do that, I want to talk about kind of a fun topic and or maybe just a little bit of an icebreaker that could be fun or funny. Uh, sometimes in college, people do all-nighters uh, where you just, you're, but what was like the first time or a fun time where you stayed up all night? So Eric, we'll start with you. Okay, so uh, we, were, we were just joking that I, I actually never pulled an all-nighter while I was in college. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about anybody else. I just, I just didn't like procrastinating. It stressed me out. So, uh, but wow. before college, I pulled it one night. Um, me and two of my friends, we pulled an all-nighter because uh, my senior year of high school in youth group, we had people in, in our youth group who kept inviting us to Tuesday morning breakfast club. And I'm like, Tuesday morning breakfast club, you're, ta- you're telling me that you want me to show up at 6.30 in the morning, I mean, it's eating Chick-fil-A, so that's, that's something, right? But, but, like, me getting up that early to just eat breakfast with, with other people, uh, no thanks. So one night, we, me and a couple of uh, other senior guys decided, okay, we're going to make it to Tuesday Morning Breakfast Club. But the only way we're going to be able to make it to Tuesday Morning Breakfast Club is if we pull an all-nighter. Because I'm not, I'm not going to wake up that early not on my own. Wow. So... Uh, so we pulled an all-nighter. Literally, we were drinking like Mountain Dews and all, all, all the stops, playing uh, Xbox and, and doing everything. And we made it. We made it early to Tuesday Morning Breakfast Club, and everybody was shocked. And I actually felt really guilty because it was like the it ended up being like the last senior day. So they had all these gifts to give to seniors, and they're kind of like, oh, we. I guess we don't have a gift though, for you. Even though Eric never showed up, I guess like we gotta give him a gift. So they gave me. Uh, all Did they go buy some Chick Fil A and just hand it to you? Or? No, I mean it was, it was oh. just like it was like Chick Fil A gear. Like I, I have a I have a keychain, Chick Fil A keychain that you they still gave have me. it. I still wow. have it. I keep it on on my keychain that they're, they're like scrambling to. Okay, we here here's the gifts for you. Even though you never really showed up to Tuesday morning breakfast club, so uh, it was it was worth it. And then the the whole rest of the day, I, I was dead. I, I like crashed. Didn't didn't make it to school or anything. I was just like I can't I can't function. <laughs> wow. How about you, Kelly? Were you yeah. more the traditional college no, student? So my a couple sen- all-nighters or no? No. So my senior year of college, my friends and I were disappointed we hadn't had the opportunity to pull an all-nighter to study. So we decided um, that we were going to pull an all-nighter for fun by being locked in the library. And so we packed our bags and brought suitcases and sleeping bags and pillows and snacks. You crazy UNC students. People go to the library, camped out in Davis Library for the night, and uh, we just didn't make it all night. Um, The we heard the cleaning lady, probably like two or three in the morning. The library had closed, and a cleaning crew comes through, and we heard her room by room by room get closer and closer and closer to us. And she finally opened the door and kicked us all out, and we went to Waffle House. (laughs) Wow! So that was my all nighter. That was your all nighter. 
I was similar to to y'all in college. I never, I couldn't do it. Like I would go to even when I had an exam or whatever. Kind of like two, three o'clock was the latest I ever stayed up. But uh, I, I I had a small youth group, my youth group. So when we had one lock in when I was a youth. But our youth pastor kind of didn't tell us that other youth groups stay up all night. He kind of convinced us that a lock-in, you go to bed <laughs> at 3 and you wake up at like 6.30. Brilliant. So we went to bed. But then when I was a youth pastor for the first time, we had a lock-in. And the kids, uh, and I fell asleep. And I woke up. I, d- I mean, I didn't mean to fall asleep. I just kind of was sitting there and I fell it's, asleep. It's and dangerous I, to fall asleep. I know. And I, I woke up. And all I remember is they're being like, they're about to put whipped cream on my face. Like. Right as I woke up, the can was like on my nose, like right in front of my nose. And the kids were like laughing. I heard like giggling or whatever. And I woke up and there's a can. And then the kid with the thing kind of panicked and sprayed it on my face. And then I just had to stay up the rest of the night. And I was miserable. And it was it was not fun. And the kids, it's weird because the high schoolers are a little more chill. They actually brought sleeping bags and they kind of fell asleep. But the middle schoolers, man, mm-hmm. were full go. They would not yeah. go to sleep. So I made a commitment to never do another lock-in unless it was at my next youth group. It was called the 30-Hour Famine. And when the kids are really hungry, I mean, it was an awesome event. They tend to not be as rowdy. So I always, as a youth pastor, got around the lock-in thing by having the 30-Hour Famine as part as the kind of this built-in lock-in. But my last time, right before I left to go overseas, the last my last youth group, they convinced me to have a lock-in, and it was totally miserable. I mean, it, it was like, and then I think for all parents, when you have that baby, that newborn, you're kind of always in lock, you know, lock, lock-in mode where you never get any sleep, and you mm-hmm. you you're like, is it four in the morning? Is it? You, you just you just kind of live in a haze. So so I, I I commend those who have young babies, and we we're praying for you as you uh, just just learn how to live with that. And yeah, so a little fun fun fact from all three of us maybe you got to know a little bit of our personality but let's let's jump into the topic so how do we make sense of the brokenness of the world and live out our lives faithfully as christians how do we navigate conversations with people inside the church who are hurting those who are kind of on the fringe of the church and then those who are not even part of our our community like how, how do we navigate conversations as people are also dealing with evil and, and sinfulness and brokenness in the world. Um, and as a church, we've looked at Job, we've looked at Ecclesiastes, we looked at Song of Psalms and Song of Songs, and now we're in First John. And all of these are helping us to discern the brokenness and, and how do we live out our lives as Christians. Um, so the first thing I wanted to start with is how do we use, how do you, this isn't a, there's no right answer. So for those of you who are listening, this is just kind of the three of us giving our life experiences and our ministry experiences. Uh, and, and you're just going to hear how we've been processing this. But the first, the first thing I want to think through is how do we, how have you used scripture to help you process the brokenness? Uh, whether it's the Old Testament, Old Testament wisdom, the Psalms, the Gospels, New Testament letters. Yeah, how, how has scripture been a part of that? Yeah, I think that as as we've been, I mean, really, just the past eighteen months have have really smacked me in the face. Were I mean, any just, big things going on in the world <laughs> the last eighteen months? Some, uh, there, something there, major? Oh well. I mean, there's just, I mean, maybe it's just a personal thing. I don't know, but uh, it it feels like a pandemic. Um, but it, you know, we we say that tongue in cheek, but really, it, it really has been. It's been tough. Um, I mean, there's there's been many days where I'm like, I I hate this. I hate the way that things are. I'm just. It's just really hard. I mean, it's hard to life, and life doesn't slow down. So sometimes it it feels like so. I so I used to work at um, a restaurant called Chick Fil A, and when where I you got the keychain, yeah, where I got the keychain. This was this was post keychain, and uh, there time. So I used to open up the store at, at Chick Fil A, and there there are times where somebody just wouldn't show up who was supposed to help you open, which meant that. Like every person who was showing up had a vital role in opening the store. So one person not showing up meant you're going to be behind. And this uh, is like five in the morning. Uh, I mean, it's like, yeah, just before six. So you didn't pull an all nighter at this <laughs> no, point no, to no, get there. Yeah. Okay. It's a different time in my life. Um, but 
you know, you, so you go in, you're, you're going to be behind, and then you open up the store, and you have all these people who have needs, and they just are asking you constantly for, for things like making orders or, you know, trying to check on staff members, doing all, doing all these things, trying to make sure the store is running, and, but you're behind, and you just feel like, man, if I could just shut down the store for, like, 20 minutes, I could get caught up, and everything, all the stress would go away. And sometimes, like, like this past year and a half has felt like that. If, I, if we could just, like, stop for, like, a month and kind of re, re, like, reorient or, or like counter losses. Maybe, maybe we could like get back on track and, and, but that's not how life works. Life just keeps going. And so you get bogged down. So, uh, as we've been going through these different series, as, as we've been in the wisdom literature, um, I mean, especially Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes was definitely a time where just asking all these questions of like, why, why, why does life flow the way that it does like why why do i i mean you i think it, it's uh it's god's grace that we even maybe delayed this podcast episode because like being immersed in it uh, i think pastor danny and pastor lawrence were getting a little worried about me because i'm like all life is meaningless everything is just meaningless Eric it's all became vanity. mr ecclesiastes and so and i felt like like the, the, the teacher really resonated what he was saying really resonated with me of, of like yeah life is but but i think you, you come out of that and you realize okay like there really there really isn't meaning apart from the lord like that's that's what that's what ecclesiastes is trying to show us and even as as i'm processing these things and um you know we, we went through job and ecclesiastes and uh now we're in first john right now but we did song of song song of songs and uh i i think it's realizing more and more that like you, know, you, you see this in, in particular with job where like god god invites us to bring our questions to him where uh you know and you, you see this in the psalms too where it's like people are, are able to express their honest raw emotions before the lord and i think i think it's it, it's so important that we're that we we realize that we're able to do that before the lord and, and so I, I like coming to him and just asking these questions and even i think realizing too that god doesn't just care about or he's not just after I think the question for me has been, does God see things the way that I see them? But I think I've been learning more as, as I've been seeking his word is, now do I see things the way that God sees them? Mm -hmm. and am I learning to respond in the same that way that he responds? And then as I have these questions, I go to his word and I say, what, what, what do you have to say? Like, how, how should I, like, here's how I want to react. Here's how I want to respond. But here's how you call me to respond. And, and I think in that you see the, the beauty of the gospel. And, and so... Um, when, it, when it comes to topics like forgiveness and, and hardships and sin, and, and how do you how do you respond to sin? How do you respond to people who uh, who sin against you and, and and don't seek repentance or don't seek reconciliation? How do you how do you deal with that? And and so I think being able to to like bring those questions to the Lord and say how how do you deal with these things, God? And and to not even have all of the answers, but to just lay those at His feet and say, okay, I want to see things as you see them, while still also saying I, I'm not going to fully get all of this like you're still God and you carry things in a way that I, I can't I don't have the capacity for yeah and I think you're hitting on something that's cool about the wisdom literature is that Job Ecclesiastes and Proverbs particularly if you make the triangle that I showed multiple times when we were preaching through that series is that they they show kind of how to deal with human life as people of God like that Proverbs is like, if you do these things, everything is going to work out. Ecclesiastes is like, yeah, even when I do those things, it doesn't work out. And Job's just like, I'm trying to honor God, and it's, I'm mad. I, the, the world doesn't make sense to me because I can't, I can't know everything that God knows. So it's, and it's okay for me to kind of struggle and question, and Job's friends come along in the equation, and, and it, I think having this having the scriptures and then we we actually did james even before that and and god gave us james during the pandemic and and first john which deals with a lot of back and forth on how to know that we're going to sin but live to not sin and and love others even though it's hard to love others and yeah so the scriptures are really for me just just helping this kelly how, how about you i mean i know that you had a baby during this time and like tried to lead a campus ministry on Zoom and, and some of these other things. And yeah, how, how, have, how has the scriptures helped you process the present reality and the brokenness we felt and even, even just in general? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, the, the brokenness of the world is really easy to see right now, but um, there are times when it's not as easy to see or in times in my life where it is it is not as obvious, I guess. And so the, the argument I encounter on campus a lot is, um, so God's all-powerful and God is all-loving. Why, why is the world this way? Couldn't he do something about it? Um, why, why has he done it this way? And um, something that I... Um, regularly talk about with students is how um, the world is the way it is because it is what we have chosen and what we as humanity have demanded, honestly. And so, um, I mean, if going all the way back to um, the beginning of scripture, back to Genesis, um, Adam and Eve made that decision to um, to to be God and to be like God and to not need Him and um, we've all you know followed in their footsteps and so um, I'm I'm not saying that um, if you are suffering it is a result of your own sin or anything like that but um, collectively as a as a species um, we we introduced um, brokenness into the world and so it, it seems like a a small thing like asserting our independence but. Um, like worldwide that leads to abuse and murder and racism and war and it's all products of people looking out for their own best interest and um and and wanting to to get what they want and so i think the bible gives a a harsh but a paints a a true reality of this is this is why brokenness even exists this is why things like global pandemics even exist on a on a grand scale yeah. And any other ways that God has allowed you to come to Scripture? I don't know whether it's been since COVID or even even before that. Just just kind of come to Scripture and delight in Scripture and find solace in Scripture and, and peace there, even though, as Ecclesiastes and Job kind of conclude, that we'll never get the full answer we want. The, and the full answer is just trust God. So any, any ways of, that you've approached scripture or things you've learned that, mm-hmm. yeah, that God's shown you uh, now or even, bo- even before the pandemic as, as you process this? Yeah, I mean, I, so, so recently, um, this is, there's not like a certain method or any, anything being applied. It's just, uh, I think, conversations sparking connecting points to, to the word. And so going back and saying, okay, like what, what does God have to say about this particular matter? Or even, you know, when it comes to comes to reconciliation or being a being a God calling us out to be ministers of reconciliation. So going going into Second uh, Corinthians and looking at, at what Paul's writing there and, and trying to understand, um, I think I think kind of coming back to it and seeing the. Like even after that section in, in his letter, it's like we're in the S five where he talks about ambassadors and reconciliation. Yeah, he's talking about yeah. He's talking about, yeah it, it's like ambassadors and reconciliation and being ministers of reconciliation. But then he then he into chapter six he, he transitions into talking about his his ministry and and Paul is talking about uh, the sufferings that he's endured and, and the hardships and he's talking about being beaten and persecuted and, and imprisoned and he's talking about being reviled and and. Uh, slandered and, and all all of these things and and just I don't know give, giving the very realness of his ministry and saying it's it's not it's not all fun and games it's not it's not like having uh, whipped cream sprayed on you by a, by a nervous middle schooler it's it's uh, it, it can be incredibly uh, taxing and emotionally draining and and even you know to, to death for, for him at times maybe thought and uh, but then like his posture in the midst of that is still saying our our disposition our posture toward you is is one of love that we we have come to our ministry toward you has not wavered because our message has remained and our, our calling as as ambassadors as, as ministers of re- reconciliation is, is still the same and so uh, even even in the midst of all the circumstances that are coming at me our commitment to you is still we we, uh, we have an affection for you a love for you that comes through Christ's love for us 
And so we, we are we are calling for you to, to have your, it's your affections that, that are against us that you, you're not turning to. So we, we, we're appealing to you, change. And, and I think like there, there are lots of things that come out of that, like just, just reading and saying, okay, like Paul's been, Paul's been through the gauntlet. Like I haven't, I haven't been through the gauntlet quite like Paul has. And yeah, I, I want to take on his attitude. I want to take on his disp- disposition when it comes to uh, life as a as a follower of Jesus, and saying this this is the way of Christ that, that I believe Paul is, is demonstrating that I want to follow in his in his example with. Um, and so that that recent that's been something I've been processing and wrestling with this week. That's been really um, really life giving. So if one of the best ways to describe the gospel is to say it's this good news that God has reconciled, is, is reconciling, has reconciled in people to himself and, and reordering the creation to make it right, to, to heal the brokenness and reconciliation Paul uses in the Second Corinthians passage, and it's, it's a key theme in, in Romans that, that the whole uh, creation is groaning and, and God is, is restoring it and renewing it. So if, if, if this picture of the gospel is reconciliation, we are being reconciled back to our creator and we're part of this community, um, how would you help, or how do, if, if someone came to you, whether they have been away from the church for a while, or they've been recently hurt, or they're a baby Christian, or they, they're, they're a seeker, and we, we've all, you know, we have all of these people in our sphere, particularly, you know, college students and, and young adults who are just, just trying to figure it out, and people in our neighborhood, like, how do we bring them to the Word and say, this is a good place to start. This is a good place to to begin to know Jesus and and to to make sense of the brokenness. You guys have you have you encountered that? Like Kelly, like yeah. how do you, how do you where do you go now with students? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I agree with what Eric was saying and about the character of Jesus and the person of Jesus. And I think that's never a bad place to start. Um, I think that's what what is so beautiful about. Christ is that he is not um, detached from our suffering or or not a part of our our suffering and the brokenness of the world. I mean, we all know he he entered into it. And um, I think as a Christian, being able to look at um, the cross and know that Jesus experienced physical pain, he experienced deep sadness and suffering alone, um, he he understands um, what we're going through. And I think when, when I encounter students that um, are are suffering, I would, I would say Jesus, if you look at his ministry, he spent a lot of time with people going through pain and suffering. He was near to the crippled, to the sick, to the poor, um, to the hungry. Yeah, it was it was through need that people encountered Jesus and um, experienced healing. And so sometimes I wonder if our brokenness is an invitation to, to really know Jesus. Wow, good. Yeah, so for those of you who out, th- out there who maybe are processing this, struggling with this, asking God for wisdom for yourself, like seek, seek us out. Like not like we have this magic answer, but the scriptures... We have the scriptures, we have the spirit, we have the Christian community, and we want to help you learn how to go to the scriptures and, and process and, and see that all the brokenness, all the evil, all the darkness, God is, is, ha- was dealing with it from Genesis to Revelation. He is dealing with it now, and, he, and he's given us hope and peace and each other to help us see this. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. When, when I hear stories about kids who are trafficked, and even in America, like, you know, like I was in the bathroom at the airport just, just a week ago mm-hmm. and in the bathroom in the, I forgot which airport, but it, it basically has a sign, you know, and, and phone numbers. And, and it was in like six different languages, who to call if you're being trafficked and, and these helplines. I mean, obviously that's there cause that's real. Yeah. And this isn't in some far off place. This is in our airports, in our city, our state. So the, the darkness is real and, and, and I get it, Kelly, when you mentioned those students earlier that are like, well, why did God make it this way? And, and one of the things that we learn, Job and Ecclesiastes, is, is that God's not going to, can't reveal his full, you know, the full plan to us. We, we can't handle his full plan. One day he will make all things right. 
but he did come 2,000 years ago and light broke into the darkness and he's doing something about it and the scriptures are where we get that hope and that peace. So if, if you're not getting it from scripture, come to us, come talk to us and we want to help you learn how the scriptures and the spirit and the church community together will help you begin to make sense of this brokenness and, and you're, you're going to go through different seasons. You're going to go through seasons where you're just, all you can do is just cry out and other people are going to come around and love you and other seasons where other people are crying out and you're that person who gets to come alongside them and love them. So, so please, as, as we're processing this, come and yeah, let's, let's do this together. Yeah. And I think even, you know, Kelly, as you, you brought up earlier on about just, just this, this common moral dilemma, the problem of, of pain and suffering, the problem of evil in the world. Um, even as, even as, you know, we, we process that as, and think about that as, as believers and, and trying to understand God's word and what he's doing. Uh, I, I think that there, there does become a tension where I think you have people who want a God who is loving, but they also, they really want a God who is just. And I think when you hold those intentions, it's like, well, if God is just, then he's going to hold people accountable. And so, so we have to flesh that out. What, what does that mean then? What does that mean? What, what are the repercussions of, of our sin and our wrongdoing? And, and even, you know, as, as we're dealing with, we're, uh, we're, we're simultaneously, as believers, we say that we're saints, we're sinners, but we're also sufferers. And, and so there's things, there's things coming at us, there's things coming out of us, and, and there's redemption coming toward us. And, and I think, you know, trying to flesh those things out. I, I think there's also the, the challenge of just the, the cultural climate that we live in where we, we have so much access to information. And, you know, I think, I think that whether it's through Twitter, or Instagram, TikTok, whatever people are, you know, I think at one point there was like Yak or something. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't even know. I didn't even use that, so I don't even know what that is. But um, came you know, and went, and Eric didn't just, even get involved. Uh, you know, I, I remember in college it was like uh, like Google One or some, something plus. I don't know, something Google that Plus. Something that it wasn't even that. It was something that didn't even last. But um, everybody's like, this is going to be better than Facebook, and it wasn't. But I think I think with that, like we we're immersed in, in and we're constantly confronted with all of the all these hard things that I really don't think we were meant to carry or like fully grasp all, all the all the hurt that is really out there and you, you start to put specific names and and, mm-hmm. and and so I think part of that is it, it should make you want to uh, advocate and to um, to to be slow to speak and, and to, to be quick to listen and to just uh, to, to, you know, as, as people are having those services or you, like, like uh, providing those resources like you're talking about in the airport, Danny, where, you know, obviously somebody's trying to help with, uh, with child trafficking and all, all these things. And, and it is, a, is an incredibly dark and, and wicked thing that, that we want to we bring to light in, in our communities, in our world. Um, and so we, wanna, we do want to champion the people who are and the, the organizations that are pursuing those ends. Um, to try to try to accomplish those things, and, and knowing that uh, it's it's not going to be easy, uh, but then also just saying like, yeah, like God, how do you, you you're able to carry all of these things? I don't, I, I can't even fully comprehend how how all of this is being flushed out. But um, yeah, I mean, just you you said it before, Danny. Learning to trust God. I think it, it, that phrase can feel at times empty until you're really forced to do it and then you're like mm-hmm. wow like it really is like to trust god to put put my weight on him and to let him carry me rather than continue to strive in my own strength mm-hmm. that is really hard and i think that's probably why i struggle so much with rest is because i keep striving 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 and you know th- these things these things are exhausting and it's, it, it can be incredibly discouraging but knowing that God is holding these things together and that he, he does let us go the way that, that we will. I think, you know, we've talked about that as part of how God shows us wrath is mm-hmm. at some point he says, have it your yeah, way. Yeah, Romans 1 and 2, yeah. He's have like, part of way. the wrath is him letting us get what we want and we're going to feel the distance from God and, and feel the broke. A lot of the brokenness really is us choosing to go against God. So, Thanks, Eric. Yeah, this leads kind of to the next thing. So we have all this. You, you mentioned social media. You mentioned 
we just have access to all this brokenness. Like you just turn on your feed or you get on CNN or whatever, and you can just see all the bad things going on in the world. Like no generation ever in history had access. We can know where every earthquake is, where every person is suffering, all the bad things. And so my question is, we're called to pray. We're called to, to pray for our own growth and for our relationship with God and, and to, to supplication, to pray for the needs of the world. How have you learned to do individual prayer? And how would you like challenge others in that as, you know, as we're dealing with the brokenness? And then that could spill into even how we challenge each other corporately. So yeah, individual prayer, any, any thoughts on that and, and dealing with the brokenness? I think in, in times of my life where I've experienced the most brokenness, it's, I mean, it's prayer that connects me to God. It, it's not long, beautiful prayers that I would post on the church blog or anything, but it is, you know, the, the middle of the night, like God help, or um, the, the days I've sat in front of the TV just saying, Jesus, like, come like help like be here like help um and so i just i just go back to think um brokenness i talked about brokenness is an invitation to the character of jesus it's an invitation to to pray and to connect with god and to and to turn to him yeah i think it's good i i I found that in moments of of desperation is when some some of the most my f- most faithful personal prayers happen where it's just like, Lord, would you turn off my, my mind? Would you give me rest? Like, would you, and it, it's, in, it's those late hours in the night where you just, you can't go to sleep because you can't, you can't escape all the things that are just constantly, you can't turn, I can't turn my mind off. And so it's like, Lord, would you, I, I know that rest is a, is a gift from you. Would you give me rest? Would you help me mm-hmm. to stop thinking about these things? And I think, you know, even, even letting that draw to, to other areas of knowing like we, we're constantly in need. We're constantly in need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for me, individual prayer has been tough because I think growing up in kind of a Pentecostal setting where everybody prayer had a, a little bit more of a, I don't know, was not flashy, but but just kind of more like organized and upfront and 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 had it was it was a little more showy it seemed like i kind of went the opposite and just like i'm going to keep my prayer simple because jesus said when you pray pray like this so i kind of went into college thinking yeah i'm just going to talk to god tell him what i need pray really fast but then you know i was lived in the suburbs got into college things worked were going well it was I didn't really struggle I didn't really have any I didn't nobody died that was close to me like my life was pretty easy like things were going well I had lots of friends campus ministry was fun so I think so for me prayer was just kind of like okay God thanks thanks or I need this and it I got it but probably not because I pray because God gave it just because of the circumstances of like my life it was just in america was flourishing at that time and i was flourishing and my everything was working out but then i think like 9 11 hit the economic crash hit as as i got older i started dealing with death and brokenness hearing about you know i remember when my first friend got divorced i remember when i heard i really heard the statistics on sexual abuse and then the catholic church stuff and the boy scouts and started hearing this stuff and hearing about i remember you know SBC here too. yeah even in our own denomination but but this is going back a couple of years ago as i i started being like holy cow like this is hard like i started asking the very questions that i would quickly when someone said how could god allow evil i had this textbook answer you know i was the typical campus ministry kid oh because god's in control and whatever and it's our fault but as i started processing it i was like wow god why and then the psalms became real to me I mean, I was probably 25, and I really loved the New Living Translation. I remember that was the first time I just read the Psalms in the New Living Translation, and all of a sudden, it got to the point where sometimes when I would just process all the brokenness, I'm an information guy, so I just love information. Well, when the internet got, came out, you know, kind of the end of my college time, all of a sudden I could get all the information I needed, and then I was like, wow, this is tough. And then I have friends walking away from the faith or struggling with the faith, and 
and I would just go to the Psalms. And there became points of my Christian life where the only thing I could do is just read the same Psalm, Psalm 19 or one of these other ones, over and over and over again. My quiet time for five days, ten days in a row was just one Psalm. Mm-hmm. And that's all I could do because I, I didn't realize that my Christian life was based more on just because things were going well in my own life. And I, I loved God because my life was going smoothly. And when things started breaking down and not working out the way I wanted them to, I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I, re- I really didn't. And I praise God for his word, and I praise God for the Christian community, and I praise God for those more mature believers who were faithful, I mean, were kind of patient with me as I was more of an arrogant, know-it-all Christian, and they kind of helped me slowly begin to see that, yeah, it's a lifelong journey to walk with Christ and the world is broken, but God is good. And I don't know. So that's, that's kind of, so for prayer for me became having to pray the Psalms and even just learning that prayer wasn't kind of the genie ATM God, even though I never would have admitted that mm-hmm. in high school or my twenties, my early twenties, but that's how I treated God. So, and, and I think, you know, kind of, kind of going on a little bit of a tangent from, I mean, piggybacking off of what you're talking about, Danny, I think that there's, you know, whenever, and it's even going back to the question before of, of like, how do you, how do you walk with people who are dealing with real suffering and sin and brokenness? And, um, I, I, I liked, I've liked how Tim Keller kind of gives nuance to the question where it's, you know, he gets asked that question. He'd say, well, you know, where's the person coming from? Are they, are they asking for an intellectual answer? Are they asking from experience? Because mm-hmm. those are those are two different responses, yeah. And so I think like even as we approach people, it's like, well, what what are your circumstances? What why even why are you asking the question? And so I think when it comes to the person who's actually walking from experience and and asking out of that experience, uh, they're really wrestling with things. And and I found in, in my own life that uh, when those kinds of hardships arise, they they kind of rattle you. And, it, and you're forced to really flesh out, okay, I had the textbook answer, but what do I, now I need to figure out what's, what do I actually believe and, and does this hold up? And, and so you're kind of working through that. I, I didn't need somebody, you know, I'd, I'd probably say things that it'd, it'd be easy for somebody to like debate me or kind of push back on, um, but I didn't really need that. I didn't need a debate. I needed a mirror. I needed somebody to patiently uh, sit with me and listen to me and draw me out to help me see myself, and and I think even approaching some of those moments as though like you could be on the cusp of, of like like deepened faith. I think God uses that. I think He He walks with us in those in those moments and those seasons to actually deepen our faith and, and to like come to this more mature mm-hmm. uh, longing and and like a, like a deeper grasp of no, I really need the Lord. Like I, I'm. I've, I've experienced times of, of goodness and I've experienced times of, of hardship and I thank God now for those, those good times and I cling to him tightly in those hard times and I pray that I continue so it's like even how do we endure how do we persevere in that that kind of arrive at so Kelly I got a question for you so how do you train young college students who are coming into adulthood making their faith their own to pray corporately, to become the body of Christ, to build each other up, to process this, to not just be like, you know, yay, you know, we get these cool campus ministries and we have these great activities and stuff, but really to to become mature believers by mm-hmm. dealing with the reality of mm-hmm. this world, not just, hey, our campus ministry is awesome because we have the best music, the best speakers, and mm-hmm. really fun activities, but mm-hmm. to become part of prayer and and mm-hmm. engaging into the, the brokenness and being the body and the building the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to hear you talk about your college experience because I think, I think just because college students have more awareness, more information now, like Eric was talking about, um, they see the brokenness. Mm-hmm. They they know it's there. And yeah, us child of the '80s into the '90s, we didn't. We, we kind of yeah. like tried to avoid it and bypass it. Yeah, there are not a lot of happy-go-lucky, like I need to teach them about brokenness um, students on campus right now. And so I, I think the blessing of that is, is we are aware of brokenness. We're called as the body of Christ to 
to pray and to ask God for healing in some of these areas of the world that are broken. James says you don't have because you don't ask. And I think um, there are unsolved problems and pains in the world that um, injustices in the world that we as the children of God um, need to ask for and so need to ask for healing in. And so um, I think that's what I remind students of. How do you get them to build each other up? Like to, is that, or Eric, even as you, you've worked with youth and yeah. how do you, how do you get people to learn to build each other up? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Go ahead. Uh, I, I think that part of it is just reminding, I mean, not reminding, but, but just like constantly giving the message of like, we, we are family and we, we are the body together. And so, um, you know, being really, really trying to embrace the mindset of Christ and saying, you know, to, to consider others' needs above your own and, and to actually to stress that as, as a value that, that is worth, it's worth uh, shaping your life around this, this mindset and this mentality of, of um, and so then don't just, because the, the, the tendency, especially for the American youth even, is still to think in terms of, okay, well, like, what am I responsible for? And I think, I think, I mean, maybe this is a middle school boy thing, but like, why do I, why should I care? Or what can I do? And, and if I can't do anything, then should I even, like, is it, is it worth the emotional capacity to spend on, on just, kind of sifting through that stuff and so um but i think trying to encourage them to no don't, don't even like as we're reading the scriptures i think going to god's word is is obviously key but but as we're going to the scriptures we're not talking about individual religion we're talking about a community mm-hmm. of faith and so i think try, like, encouraging and continuing to to like give that message of, of thinking in those terms uh rather than thinking about your I mean, you want to you want to think in terms of their, their personal faith, but you also want them to think about that in the, in the broader context of the community of faith, and so that's been something that I've really tried to emphasize with our, our youth ministry is to think in those terms of this isn't just about you, the world's not just about you. It's a, it's about uh, all all that God. I mean, even even as we're talking about this this really this big picture of what the gospel is, that it's not just about individual personal salvation. That's a part of it. But it's it's even it's it's more grand than that. That it is this reconciliation and redemption of of all things. God is redeeming all things, and so we should care about that. We should and care we about to be a part of that. And we're a part of that. Yeah. So uh, you know, as God is is equipping you with different giftings and, and callings, you should be thinking uh, more broadly about not all just. People. I'm so glad I'm in. Right. Like. Let me just try to get a few more people in. But, like, but what's what's like, my brother or sister, what are they walking in? And even, like, let that even compel you to say, okay, like, they they care about things and they have questions about things I've never even thought about. I need I should be praying with them in that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and trying to, like, share in that with them and, 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 and even understand that rather than be dismissive or think it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because it does matter. If it matters to them, it should matter to you. And, and so, like, learning to kind of, flesh that out and, and to walk in that with them um, I think like that kind of incarnational living that's that's what Jesus did that's what he does for us that's what he's done for us and, and continues to uh, to live in light of that and so I think inviting them to do the same any thoughts on I, yeah I love that Eric I love that because that is how we imitate Christ that is how we image our Savior we are with people in their pain and we all know what that feels like in the midst of of something having someone there with you that is so meaningful because that is what Jesus does with us um, the other thing that comes to my mind is um, helping each other understand and encourage each other towards believing that God repurposes our suffering and I don't mean the cliche like everything happens for a reason but I mean God turned pain and death the death of christ into new life for Mm -hmm. us and so that is what he does with the deaths in our life the pain in our life he um is going to accomplish his purposes through even a global pandemic through even um the most 
you know, wicked of sin that that is out there and may not understand it. We may not have the reason like you were saying, but I think encouraging each other towards believing that Jesus um, gives us the ability to rest in that promise that um, God uses everything for our ultimate good. And I think when we live out our identity as brothers and sisters in Christ, we kind of remind each other of that. Yeah, and just just as a clarifier, we're not saying that God, like, purposely, like, God doesn't use sin to make people better Christians or whatever. Mm-hmm. God allowed for the world to fall and, the, and us to, to begin to destroy ourselves and the wrath be poured out because of our sin and because of our brokenness. And God works through all that. Right. And God sees us in that, and and God will finally end. There will be an end to this, and that's why I love what you said, Eric, too, that a God of love has to be a God of justice, and God has to bring and and punish this evil and and end it. But in the meantime, God will always see us through, and he'll always love us and and walk with us through Mm -hmm. the darkness. But that, like Job we may not get the answer or see the full picture mm. that we want to see, but that doesn't mean that God's not working because we can look at the big picture that he sent Christ and know that he is working. Um, so along those lines, so then how do we share, how have you learned to share with someone who's struggling? Whether I'll, I'll merge two questions into one, whether they're inside the faith or outside the faith. Like how do let's start with inside the faith first like how do how do you share with someone who's struggling how do you encourage them what are some things that god has shown you um yeah just just to encourage those who are struggling and trying to make sense and live life in light of the brokenness any any thoughts on that um i I, so i would say some of the things that i've been thinking through recently are just the the power of the ministry of listening and, and being able to be present with people in the midst of the, the brokenness. So you and, don't have to have all the answers, but mm-hmm. you do, you, they want you to be there to listen, to, mm-hmm. I mean, to just know you see, care. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, not, like, not everybody wants your answers. I mean, I, I say that that's probably especially true for people outside of the faith, but, I mean, even people inside the faith, uh, they, don't, they don't necessarily want you to kind of like play God and come up with some kind of solution. Well, maybe God's doing did this so that this will happen. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's also acknowledging that, that uh, people are complex and human emotions are complicated. And so to just give a five minute explanation to a a devastating problem that like that, that seems simplistic and kind of irritating. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it, it kind of, kind of shuts you down you're like okay that person doesn't know they don't they don't really get it mm-hmm. um even though it sounds like you know maybe maybe you come in as the like young zealous person and you give this textbook answer and you're like yeah i'm uh, okay mm-hmm. but i like that's not a person that i think it really wants to engage me where i'm at and and so um you know being able to when you're li- when you're trying to listen to somebody then you actually care what they have to say and, and so they can, you, you give them a space and hopefully a safe space for them to articulate or at least attempt mm-hmm. to articulate what's actually present in their soul, what they're wrestling with. And so I think being able to, to give that space for them to just, maybe, maybe they need to lament. Maybe they need to grieve these things, but they, you know, they just sit in it. Mm-hmm. And, and so they, they need somebody who can kind of draw them out and sit in it with them without, you know, maybe fearing that somebody's going to call them a heretic mm-hmm. in the church or maybe mm-hmm. uh, somebody who's going to be judgmental or come across as judgmental outside of the church. And so I think um, it, it doesn't mean that you don't you don't go toward the truth. I think uh, a, a, another aspect of this is just trying to, as you're doing that, trying to yield to what the Spirit is leading you to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, as you feel the Spirit leading, being able to press in and, and say the things that, the Lord is laying on your on your heart that to we say, know is true of God and His true. character, mm-hmm. and and even if you're like I don't I don't even know if I'm sensitive enough to what the Spirit's doing, just say Can I pray? Can I pray with you? Um, can we just pray together? Or or is there something that I can be praying for you about that 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I want you to know that I'm I'm actually going to pray for you. Uh, I'm not I'm not just asking that and then never doing it. I, I'm actually planning to pray for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it okay if I follow up with you? Mm-hmm. I think um, I think those are those are things that can be really powerful as people are, are struggling. Is there you know asking questions and, and wanting spaces to to really uh, to deal with that? Yeah, I think not being afraid of, of people suffering and mm-hmm. being someone that people can share that with is, is really important. And part of that is me being open about my own brokenness to other people, um, not just being the one who listens to people, but also being the one who, who goes to people with their, their own brokenness. Um, and then I think also I think a lot about realizing my own limitations in caring for someone who is mm-hmm. suffering and not trying to fulfill something in them that Jesus is supposed to. And so I, I think about that a lot. Like you're not, we're not trying to be Jesus. We're trying to image Jesus and imitate him in the lives of other people. And so the balance of those things, mm-hmm. I think about that a lot. Yeah. So, so thank you guys for sharing. Yeah. And I think for me, like I'm an advice guy, I like facts and mm-hmm. statistics. So I'd be I'd be the guy quick to be like, well, you know, only twenty percent of this or forty, mm-hmm. you know, just just I think I'm comforting the person through the statistics or through the facts. And sometimes they were spiritual, sometimes they were just, you know, just just generic facts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I learn I've learned for myself too. I don't even want to be around the person who can't listen and, and doesn't really want to get to know kind of the root of my pain and the root of, of the suffering. And, I, and I, I've gone back to the Psalms multiple times in this conversation, but I feel like the Psalms give us freedom to cry out to God and just say, God, why? Why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening to my people? Why is this happening in the world? Why are you not bringing justice quicker? Why are you bringing justice too quickly and not giving us time? You know, all these things are there for us to 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 just wrestle with with God, and and I think where Job's friends went wrong is they like listened for a little bit. They went right by listening, and then when they just started spouting off advice and they were playing God, just things fell apart because they were like, well, maybe this happened because of this, and maybe this happened because of this, and and I think there is a time for truth, but I think as Americans particularly, I don't know about other cultures, but we're quick to be like, you know, here's why we, I think what the reason why for this and this and this, but as COVID shown us, we, we don't know, we don't have the answers. James says, you know, we don't even know what's, why, why, we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Why think we know it all. And I, I appreciate you guys' wisdom and as, as we process that. And, and for me personally, it's just, it's just been a long journey to learn that walking someone through the brokenness or dealing with the brokenness ourselves is, is kind of an, a discipline of patience and but always going back to the character of God so my my advice to you guys if you don't know what to say sit and listen kind of what Eric and and you guys have been saying and then just dwell on the Jesus and the and the goodness kind of what you alluded to Kelly of of who Christ is we don't have to be Christ but we can point them Mm -hmm. point the person to Christ so the final thing is is how do we share this to others outside of the Christian faith it seems like the biggest snag now, like why people don't want to come to Christ, a lot, or one of the biggest snags, is not because of evolution or you know this some of the stuff that apologetics dealt with 20, 30 years ago or we thought was the hindrances. Like one of the main snags is because people think that the God of the Bible doesn't make sense to them. Like why? But the interesting thing is, is they're using the framework that starting from the perspective that God should be love and should be benevolent, which is the Christian God. No other God in the history of, no other God or gods or any, any type of superior being ever had that posture except for the God of the Bible. So they're, they're, they're coming in from this, that God should be loved, but then understanding that God does love us and he is working through the brokenness. So any, any thoughts on how to share, how, how we can love our neighbor as we deal with people who are not believers and America is becoming less and less Christian. There are many people who've never even stepped foot in church who are our neighbors. So you mm-hmm. probably have college students who mm-hmm. say I'm agnostic or I'm atheist. Mm-hmm. And we're one of the first people or the first person to have a significant spiritual conversation with them. 
So any thoughts on how to love them and, and, and show that we acknowledge the brokenness and we, we want, and, and, but also God acknowledges it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when a student comes to me with a pain or disappointment or some sort of um, suffering in their life, I, I, and I don't know where they are in their faith or if they're not a Christian or kind of waffling in their faith, um, I often, I often not every time, but I often feel that the Spirit kind of prompt something like, you may think I'm crazy, but have you ever, like, have you ever considered that God, this may be God, like God may be trying to, to like wake you up or get your attention in some way. And I think death. Like the and, very fact that they're having that yes, conversation with you yes, right now, it's, yes. it's God's in that. Yeah. I think death and pain have this way of like waking us up to, yeah. to what's wrong with the world. And uh, you kind of already answered the question because not non-believers and believers, I mean, the the Secular Student Alliance would agree with me that there is something wrong with the world. There's something mm-hmm. very wrong um, in the world. And it, it it is very interesting to me that our, our default view is it should be good. Because why? Um, if God doesn't exist, why um, should the mm-hmm. world be good? And of course, we know as believers it's because we we were made for a different world and God promises that that's coming and um, that's eternity that's heaven that is in the future but also we experience that partly um, now and so I think for a student that is deep into the brokenness of the world or experiencing a personal brokenness that is um, that is a huge promise for all of us but especially in the midst of brokenness yeah no that's great and, and I would add um not really. I just my my thoughts are so. Uh, w- when I was in college and in crew at UNC, uh, crew crew was kind of the first place that really got me thinking about just worldview and and just different uh, the different kind of systems or paradigms that people were operating from at the time. Like post modernity was a really big deal, and so we we're talking a lot about post modernity and how to how to like think about uh, our own Christian faith in light of uh, a postmodern post-Christian world and and so I think even now you, you kind of see I mean it just looking at neighborhoods you see people speaking in and using similar language as we would use to to express our worldviews you know you see all these yard signs that say at, in this house I believe mm-hmm. you know all these different faith like belief statements you know and and they just they list it and I, and I think like um, as I've as I've tried to process some of that, I think like how how can we engage with their worldview and just just try to ask questions that are seeking to understand and and to think like is there anything here that that I can affirm? I mean they're they're like very they're so basic in their like you'd look at it and say who would who would reject those ideas? But I think even trying to look at them and think about like are they are they coherent as a as a system of of belief or, or faith or whatever you, you want to say but then just giving affirmation like mm-hmm. I would say that some of the some of the tenets underlying some of those beliefs are actually rooted in in mm-hmm. scripture and so I think being able to affirm on on certain things that you can affirm while also giving more clarity uh, as you're engaging in, in these conversations to say like here here's why um, here's actually why I I think this way and here or maybe here's here's where I would diverge from you on on this and um, and I think even you know as as we do that I think it's it, it can be really difficult to have those conversations purely because people are becoming more of what their ideas are their their identity is is rooted in ideas mm-hmm. and so when you when you speak critically about an idea you're you're speaking critically about that person and so it can be really hard to engage in in worldview conversations but um, I think that can be a, an opportunity to just kind of meet people where they're at or, or try to engage with them. But I, I, I really like, Kelly, what you're saying about just as they ask those questions. I mean, we're, we're asking some of the same questions. And so, you know, even trying to relate in that way of how do you, how do you think about this? Maybe you're the one who, who asked that question and say, like, how, do you, how are you thinking about this? Like, you, you see this too. Like, what, what do you think about it? Um, how do you process it? How, what, do, what do you think the solutions are? What, what are the alternatives? I think, um, but I really like this idea of, you know, maybe this is God prompting you to like, maybe this is God on the in the at work in your life and, and just acknowledging that. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, I 
you know, spend a lot of my time with international students. That would probably be the primary group of non-Christians or, you know, that I, that I deal with, you know, I just engage with and, you know, we do a lot of activities with them. And I think with, as I'm learning, you know, some of them are thinking about the brokenness more than others. Some of them it's more personal, like Eric, you mentioned, like it's because of their own experience, a divorce, a family member, a, a, a crisis. Some of them it's more just looking at the world. Uh, but I, I think for for all of them, it's like, what what is the purpose? What is the meaning of life? Like, why are we here? They, they, they recognize there's a problem and they recognize that there's, there's some kind of solution, and I, I think that, Eric, that yard sign you're talking about is one of the s- proposed solutions. Like, if we can all just agree on these things, then maybe the world will be a better place. But I think where that breaks down with internationals is because each culture has different values. So what's mm-hmm. Amer- what could be put up in an American yard may not be able to be fully put up in someone's yard in their culture because they, they think about life differently. They, mm-hmm. they don't come at it from a logical start with, you know, a logical start down, you know, a linear, they think of it maybe more circular. Mm-hmm. So, so they struggle too. And, and as I've, I, I keep going back to, and I'm going to ask you guys to just maybe come up with a verse or something like what verse comforts you or what thought comforts you of the character of God. And I, and I always go back to two things. One is I, I go back to this passage in first John and it, it talks about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was the life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it and I'll show an international student that I'll just say God says that Jesus the human being that came 2,000 years ago the darkness will never overcome the good that God did something. God is acknowledging the darkness, but he's also acknowledging a way. And that's that's comforted me because I can look at the character of God in coming in Christ and look at his love and look at the transformation that even though the church is broken, that, but the, the love of Christ that's transcended so many people. And I, I can say, I can see light breaking through the darkness and we can see rays of hope and God has asked us to join in that. He hasn't asked us to have all the answers or to have it all figured out, and we won't. He, he even tells us in his word we'll never have it figured out. So that's kind of where I've landed and, and processed. But do you guys have any, I don't know, like final thoughts for us or a verse or an, a thought or a way of just kind of way that God allows you to have comfort as, as you love others and, and really try to be the light that breaks through the darkness as we're called to be Christ's body here on earth before he comes back and fully extinguishes the darkness. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned it in, in this episode, but uh, Philippians 2, like, that's that's something that, that I think about a lot. But then also, uh, I think in particular, really, really during uh, this past year and a half in, in particular, um, this passage in, in Matthew 11, I, I feel like we've come back to a lot, but just... Jesus saying, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so I think just um, kind of processing and, and fleshing that out has been that's something I, I keep going back to, I've noticed during, during the past. Mm-hmm. When the creator and the judge of the universe came to earth, that's what he said. Yeah, mm-hmm. that he like that. That's what that's he, his, he the essence of who his, he is and how he is, relates gentle to us. And, humble. And, and even that he, you know, as, as it's not just this exchange of like I have a heavy yoke, you have a light yoke, but it's no like you're you're actually inviting me to come underneath and, and like share in the yoke that you're gonna you're gonna carry the weight and you're gonna you're gonna train me up. And so I think, um, like Jesus doing life with me, he's in he's in the trenches with me. He's in the valleys. He's and he's leading me to, to green pastures. He's the good mm-hmm. shepherd. You know, like those those kinds of things are in- encouraging, up- uplifting for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's the character of Jesus in it with me. I think. Um, I, th- I think about um, the Psalm Psalm one forty five that says, "The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. He has compassion on all that He's made." That Jesus embodied that. He he was that, and I think it's it's in our brokenness that we experience that. Wow. Yeah, 
there's this bad rap of the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, but from beginning to end, he is the God of compassion and, and patience and love. But he's also the God of justice, and he's with us, and he loves us, and he's called us to be his body. So let's press on Waypoint Church and continue to love one another. If, if you are struggling or you, you want to know more how to, how to help others in this or walk alongside others, talk to us. And if you see someone struggling, just be that listening ear. Be that person that can love them. And, and help your neighbors and others around you that God's put in your path process this. Don't be part of the gossip. Don't be part of the noise. But let's be part of bringing light into the darkness. And uh, we love you guys. Have a great week. And thank you, Kelly, uh, for coming on and joining us. We hope to have you back soon. Thanks yeah, for thanks, me. Kelly. Yeah, we're praying for you this year on, your, on campus, too, as you guys try to get back to normal. So, thank you. all right, have a great week. Have a great week.